Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast, Genesis Round 3, instant recap and review, looking forward to the final rounds, and we've got a good one on our hands, and to break it all down with me, I get I get to chat with him for the second time today, Greg Ducharme, welcome in, buddy. How was the first, I mean, the first time was fun, how was that experience for you? You got the, the camera, you got that nice little setup in the house there, I like that, you look good up there on the on the big screen. Thank you. Yes, I I do a lot of obviously like on camera stuff, but it's all it's all always recorded. Uh yes. so to do something live with an earpiece in was very different for me and hearing all these voices in your ear all the time, but it was a lot of fun. I'm glad you were there so that we could kind of vibe off of each other, but yeah, it was it was great. The live thing is a completely different energy. You don't think it's going to be, right? All you do all this stuff recorded you probably do it in all all in one take so it doesn't make any difference but when the camera's on there and you know that it's live live it just it changes the energy you can tell it's it's one of my favorite things to do it's a it's really it's a great rush yeah i know if i have to like sneeze i can just like pause it or cut that out like not so yeah. much on live right uh but it was a lot of fun and what else is a lot of fun greg is this leaderboard we've got uh hot off the presses a tweet hot off the presses from our buddy kyle porter 40 PGA Tour wins and $155 million in earnings in the final group, which is going to be Adam Scott, Matt Kuchar, and Rory McIlroy, all tied at 10 under par, Greg. It is awesome. I mean, it's not the group you kind of expected. We had nine of the top 10 players in the world. Uh, we do have world number one, Rory McIlroy, in the mix here. It looks like that's going to that's gonna stay. There was a chance that John Rahm or uh, or Brooks Kepka was able to, to surpass Rory again. That's not going to happen from the looks of it. So that's pretty cool to see. And then you get a guy like Matt Kuchar, a guy like Adam Scott. You got three different styles of play. Um, and, and you got a, an interesting mix at the top of the leaderboard. And don't forget about Dustin Johnson lurking <laughs> back there, just two back. So it's a stacked leaderboard, uh, not necessarily what you may have predicted, but it still turned out to be pretty great. That's just a sign of the strength of this field. Yeah, we're going to talk about each one of these guys, but what I really like about this is if you remember, Matt Kuchar goes out and shoots a 7-under 64 in round one, so he's 7-under par. We are now through three rounds, and the leader is only 10-under, which tournaments like this, where a course like Riviera can bite back, keep everybody close, I think makes for great entertainment, great finishes, because we saw, and we're going to talk about some of these rounds, you have one good round of a six under par, a seven under par. Hideki had a great round today. He has now re-entered and re-emerged himself in this conversation when, you know, if the winning score is 30 under par, you got to shoot, you know, eight under every single day, you know, just to keep pace. And you look at, you look down the leaderboard, you get to the guys that are maybe tied 28. Uh, I see Brooks Kepka and Mark Leishman at that mark. They're three under par. 
Um, there are some players at two under par, like Patrick Cantlay, and they're probably, I mean, the, the odds of them getting back into contention here tomorrow are very slim. But if Brooks Kepka goes out there and shoots an eight under par round, he goes out and shoots a 63, maybe a 62, which is a, a strong feat. I mean, the field, the, the leader right now is 10 under for a reason because it's a really hard golf course. But if you do get one of those great rounds early, I mean, it's a number that could, there, there's a legitimate chance that it holds up. So um, that's what I love to see too. It really opens up the field. There's going to be a big benefit to posting a number tomorrow and letting, you know, seeing if anybody can come and get you. So let's talk through these three guys here. And we'll start with Matt Kuchar because he was your first round leader. He was your 36 hole leader. He is now your 54 hole co-leader. He's going for his first PGA Tour win since the 2019 Tournament of Champions. And this would be his 10th PGA Tour victory greg which would break him we're talking active players because there's a lot of guys here but it would break the tie with someone like brant snedeker who's at nine and move him up to sergio garcia and justin rose obviously they have more wins worldwide but we're talking about their 10 pga tour wins this is kind of a pretty big number when you get into double digits of, of tour victories no doubt about it i mean this this guy is just so good he is I think a very underappreciated player out on the PGA tour. And part of the reason is it's like the Webb Simpson effect, right? There's uh, not a lot of distance going on. It's kind of uh, a kind of a simple looking game. And he makes it look so easy, but he's just so skillful in every area. He, he's got this go-to shot off the tee that just seems to work all day long. A couple tee shots got away from him out there today, but for the most part, it's as reliable as it gets. He's just taken the left side of the golf course out of play and has done fantastic work around the greens, especially this week. And he basically has designed this this swing and his game to where if he has a good putting week, he's going to be right there in contention because he just keeps the ball in front of him, keeps it within the bunkers, and he's he's always there. What we talked about this morning on CBS Sports HQ, which we were doing the lead-in coverage, so Kucher was only through, I don't know, six or seven holes at the time, something like that. And what we were talking about is how – stressless the game was for him basically he was hitting it to 20 25 feet on every hole if he makes the putt great he steals one otherwise he's just tapping in from one foot for par which is a great score so often here at Riviera now you're right it did get a little loose on the back nine he comes in at one over he made three bogeys on the back but Kuchar's game is I believe what you just described keep everything in front and play stress-free and and I think that really bodes well for him at a tournament like this. It, it's not a tournament that you want to really be pressing the golf course because it can catch up and bite you, especially when you get Sunday pins. The undulations around the greens are uh, are extreme. We heard Adam Scott say in his interview after the round, it, hitting greens of regulation here is such a key stat because there's so much movement when you miss a green. You have to play your chip and pitch shots really far away from the hole, and it's difficult to get him close. Well, Matt Kuchar's been able to hit the ball onto the green a lot this week, and when he's been on the green, he's converted a number of putts. So, you know, it's impressive play. I look at that little three, that four-hole stretch there where he went three over, and it seems like it really got away from him. He lost the tee shot to the right on 13, hit his second shot from 242, short right of the green, and got himself in a position where he really could have made that putt. Um, it was a makeable par putt that yeah. he missed. And then on 15, he misses it to the wide side of the hole and, and really 
has a chip that I think he could have gotten up and down and probably should have. So it was a little bit sloppy there around the greens, even though he was able to hit the fairway. And then, uh, and then uh, on the, the very next one on 16, he hit the green and, and three whipped it. It was just, you know, he hit it past the flag and had a downhill putt. But, you know, I really, I really like his chances still. I, I don't think he's going to have to do anything too crazy tomorrow. What do you think this winning score is going to be? If you're, if you're sitting there at 10, what do you have to shoot to, to win in your opinion? I'll tell you what, I think there is actually a pretty good chance, and we'll see what the tee times are. Like, what if someone at six under goes out and shoots like another seven under and gets in at 13 and then it just kicks up in the, uh, in the afternoon? I don't, I think it's going to take more than that. I bet you, I think 14 probably wins it, 15 definitely wins it. You think, uh, yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of in the 13s of playoff, 14 yeah. wins. It just as it gets late in the day, it's just hard for these guys to make the putts. It, it the putt Kucher made on 17 was huge. That yeah. was a, a huge putt because he was basically first to putt in that group for birdie there, and it it's looking like it's really getting away from him. He hits that bunker shot. He's unable to spin it. It goes long, and and Rory's in there closer, and he makes it on top. Rory misses. Real big turning point for me. Yeah, so the number one player in the, player in the world, Rory McIlroy, another just ho-hum three under. So his first three rounds, 68, 67, 68, he is tied for the lead, uh, knocking on the door yet again. I've got him for five bogeys this week, Greg. That's it. On a course that is biting back and, uh, you know, Given up a lot of big numbers, a lot of crooked numbers, Rory has kept it in play. He's only made five bogeys, and he is just looking to solidify himself as the number one player in the world. Yeah, there's there's really little to doubt about that statement there. He is right up there. And what was it so interesting today? You look at the statistics. He had five of 14 fairways today, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a lot, but he hit 14 of 18 greens. Yeah. And ultimately, that's the more important number. And if you watched what happened, he missed a lot of fairways um, a, a lot of his tee shots landed in the fairway and ended up missing the fairway. It's almost like he's just too long. He, he hits it so far, it get, he hits shots that end up missing fairways. So that's not really a concern of mine at all. I think the, the driver is becoming a real asset for him this week. Um, it wasn't great that, you know, the, the first day he was missing a lot of greens and, and it's, it, that has definitely improved. Um, you know, he hit, he hit nine of 18 greens round one. He's hit 13 and 14 respectively in rounds two and three. So Rory's looking really good. I mean, he's definitely the favorite, I would say at this point. I know that you and Kyle and Chip and everybody on, uh, CBS Sports HQ this morning all picked Rory. I stuck with Kucher. I'm going to stick with my guns on him. I think he's going to get the job done. But at this point, it's really out of pride. It's hard to bet against Rory right now. Yeah, I actually, it's kind of gravy for me because I was saying, you know, if Rory, if Rory can start tomorrow, like one, two back, like I'd really like his chances. Well, he doesn't even have to do that. He's, he's going to be tied for the lead with Kucher and the last man in the group, Adam Scott, who followed up his 64. His very impressive 64 yesterday with a 67 today, uh, made a, it looks like six, uh, looks like six birdies to me, three on each side. Uh, another really impressive round from the Australian. While we were covering the action this morning, we were looking at him and he was through seven holes at the time. He might have been through eight, even with just two birdies and two bogeys through the day. And, uh, Scott Stan, Scott Stanford was saying that, well, consistent. He's doing well. He's consistent. He's hanging in there. And since then, since that moment, he did a lot more than hang in there because he makes a birdie on nine, birdies 10 and 11, which are holes you 
and they're birdie holes for sure. And, and he just took, just t- simply takes advantage of them. And then he gets through the stretch of 12 through 16, where if you just, if you're just scrolling through scorecards, everybody's got at least a bogey yeah. in that 12 through 16 spot, whether it's 13 or 15, one of those holes, somebody's making a, a bogey there. And Adam Scott cruised through all those holes with pars. It adds another birdie at 18. And uh, now he's in the final group for the second year in a row at the Genesis Invitational. This would be his first PGA Tour win since the 2018 WGC Cadillac Championship. But if you remember, he actually won his last start worldwide. Back at the end of 2019, he won the Australian PGA Championship. So uh, not a lot of guys in the world can go back to back in any field. I completely agree. I mean, th- this guy... You just got to look at it. He's just so good. He's just yeah. a unique talent. And that tee to green game, I know you're looking at his statistics and you're just salivating because this is like the, you just want an average putted. You, you want to just not lose strokes putting tomorrow. And you probably, what do you, you think he can beat Rory? You think he, yeah. he's up in that mix? So what I mentioned to you before we went hot was this statistically, this is like the guy, right? And when you're looking at it and you erase everybody's names, He's two shots clear on the rest of the field in strokes gained uh, tee to green. He's gaining nearly ten and a half. Russell Henley is second at just a hair over eight. He's losing basically a half a shot putting this week over three rounds, which is like, yeah, go, keep doing what you're doing. Go keep he's, – he's, he's playing great around the greens. He's firing darts. He's hitting his driver well enough. And make one or two more putts tomorrow. And if he makes one or two more putts tomorrow, he might be raising the trophy. I just have this worry with him, and I'm a huge Adam Scott fan, but I just have this worry with him where, and this always feels like this happens when I pick him. He's got a great round going. Things are going really well, and he gets to that one moment where he's got a birdie putt for, you know, he's got a chance to two-putt birdie on a par five, and on his second putt from three and a half feet, he lifts it out, and and then it kind of ends his chances, and it's just like, that one little moment, I worry about the putter a little bit with him. I, I worry a little less about Rory and a little less about Kuchar, and maybe that's unfair, but uh, I just I, I have this inkling because I pick Adam Scott a lot, especially at a course like this. If we had seen a little more form from him, I probably would have picked him this week. Um, but I just I have concerns about that putter. And when you get in the moment and you have to make the putt now and it's the last hole or it's, you know, the 71st hole and you have the putt that Kucher faced today to kind of turn momentum around. Is Adam Scott going to make that putt? I, I have my doubts for sure. Well, I think momentum is a, a big key around here as well because a, a, a par save goes a long way around Riviera. So uh, the chase group, the chasers, let's talk about these guys a little bit differently. So we've got Russell Henley, Harold Varner the third, Joel Damon, uh, either two – I'm sorry, either one or two shots back. Damon is eight under two shots back. I'm going to leave out DJ for this conversation because we'll talk about him separately. But out of those three, Henley, Varner, Joel Damon, um, not guys that win a lot on the PGA Tour, not guys that necessarily put themselves in contention a whole lot. Is there one of these guys you like more than another or you like what you're seeing out of them? I like what I'm seeing out of all three of these players. I think Joel Damon last year made a big statement. I think he really improved as a player last year overall and proved to himself that he really can't compete on the PGA Tour. Russell Henley is a guy who uh, comes in without really making a lot of cuts. I think he yeah. missed, a, what has he missed, three in a row at least? I think um, it was four. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's that's an understatement is he hasn't been playing well. <laughs> so I know, he, I, I know he's been struggling, but he's a guy who's won before. He gets in the moment. He, he can definitely get the job done. 
But Harold Varner III is really the guy that I'm looking at. Um, he impressed me today. He played in playing in the final group with Matt Kuchar and Rory McIlroy is a is a big kind of a pressure moment. And he had a situation where he was in the final group of the PGA Championship. Yes, he was. And he shot 81, uh, something yeah. along those lines. 81 or 82, yeah. With, he yeah. was in the final group with Brooks. That's right. And he made a birdie on the first hole. And yep. He got to number four. And they, they lost his, he lost a ball on number four. And there were, I mean, he hit a shot like basically he was in the, in the fescue and he hits a shot that doesn't get out and the ball probably went 20 yards and they lost it. They couldn't find it and it derailed him for the rest of the round. And I, I have this feeling when moments like that happen, they can do one of two things for you. You can learn something from it or it can make you fear the moment. And for, for, uh, Harold Varner the third, that moment happened again today. Saturday is another one of those moments where, hey, I have a chance. I'm in the final group with these two other players. This that pressure feels very similar, uh, and yeah. and he really stood up to it. I, I think he played a great round today. Uh, he really held his own, shooting 69 today. He beat Kucher and uh, was right there with Rory all day. I, I think that speaks a lot to him. So a more comfortable group tomorrow. I, Harold Varner is the guy I got my eye on. Yeah, I, I suspect, and, uh, I think we saw a little bit of it today, that the scar tissue that he developed from that final round at the PGA Championship probably goes a long way in his career, and we hope to see him in more final groups. Uh, one guy who's been in a lot of final groups, and he's not gonna be in one tomorrow, but very quietly two shots back is Dustin Johnson, who opened up one over par 72 on Thursday. We, I mean, I personally was like, ah, we'll think about DJ next week or whatever it is. Shoots a 66 on Friday, a 67 today in the third round. And uh, we talked about colorful scorecards with uh, Brooks Kepka last night. Well, in his last 12 holes, DJ made two pars. Uh, the rest were all over the place, but he is right there lurking. It's very interesting. Uh, very, very interesting. I just remember last week at Pebble, he had that uh, that final round 78, that kind of concerns me a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm going to get out of DJ. I, I don't really know. He's quietly right there. He's obviously an extremely talented player, obviously can handle the golf course. So there are very little concerns out of me, but he just has this, he's got this potential to shoot some high scores on, on the final round. You look at last year in the playoffs. He finished 73, 71, 73 in his last three Sundays. The Open Championship, a 76. The U.S. Open, a 74. The RBC Heritage, a 77 out of nowhere. Uh, the Valspar, a 74. Now, he has shot some really nice rounds. I mean, he shot 66. He shot a number of nice rounds on Sunday. But there's just this one little part of me that that kind of feels like tomorrow's not going to go DJ's way. And I hope it, I hope I'm wrong. But DJ's a guy I have my eye on the following week in Mexico for sure. Um, I don't think that's one that's too hard to figure out. No. Uh, but tomorrow, I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling it, but it's definitely more of a hunch. There, there's still more names. This is unbelievable. So if you go a little further, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, he's four back with John Rahm. Uh, they're both tied for 11th. I'm going to leave Hideki out of this conversation for a second, but Bryson, Leads the field in strokes gained off the tee. John Rahm, just another, I mean, he's gone 70, 68, 69. I, I think it's going to take something really low. We'll talk about Hideki, like, like Hideki shot today. Uh, Hideki was seven under. 
I don't know if you can go out and shoot another 64 tomorrow, but I think that's what you're probably going to need from one of these guys at, at six under right now. You, right. You probably need 63 or 64. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's kind of funny. John Rahm, like he, he's all of a sudden in this tournament and yeah. out of nowhere. And I bet you if you talk to him, he would feel like he doesn't belong to be in contention this week. It just, it, it seems a little bit interesting that you're six under par on, on after the third round and you're within four shots and you're in tight 11th. There's not that many people that you have to pass. And some of these names that he has to pass, I mean, you got Luke List, who I think this is a good course for. You got Sung Kang and Taylor Gooch and Max Homa, Joel Damon, Harold Varner III, Russell Henley. I mean, these are, these are guys that you can definitely, you would think, okay, I'm a better player than these guys. If you're a John Rahm, if you're a Bryson DeChambeau, the problem is the final group. You, you may not feel like you're, you're all that much better. You, I mean, to give Rory McElroy, Matt Kuchar, and Adam Scott four shots, yeah. uh, going into one round, I, with three of those guys of, of that caliber, key. that's really what I think almost eliminates this group. If it was one of them, you could say, okay, maybe they just go out and shoot one under or two under tomorrow. But like with, now that there's three of them at 10 under, there's probably a really good chance that one of them goes out and shoots four or five under and just wins the thing. Uh, but your note about John Rahm, it probably feels very weird for him to be in the situation. He's losing almost one and a half strokes on approach this week, which I mean, that's, that's his skill set. He's gained in that category in eight of his last nine starts. He does it all the time. This is just a very awkward week for him. And. Shout out to Hideki, who moves up 46 spots today, thanks to that 64. Uh, did actually card a bogey, so he was actually made more birdies and actually carded an eagle on number 10 today. Um, this is what you expect to see out of Hideki. We just need like not necessarily more of these rounds, but like when you start 71, 72, you kind of already played yourself out of it. Right. That you're exactly right. I mean, you just need in a tournament like this with the nobody's going to come back to you. They're not going to go out and shoot seven under and run away with it. We're not talking about the American Express here. Um, but at the same time, you, you got to keep yourself in contention early. Uh, so for Hideki Matsuyama, we're seeing some solid play, really nice finishes, but he's not really showing any signs of, of being close to a victory. And, and you got to be concerned with the putter. He, he just is so reliant on that putter getting hot. It, uh, for him to shoot 71 or 72, the way that he hits the ball is like, it's just not, it doesn't cut. It's not good enough. And it just, it speaks to the putter for me. Yeah. He lost another two strokes, um, putting or has been losing two strokes over the course of this tournament. Um, is your scrolling finger ready? Cause I'm going to need you to scroll basically all the way down to the bottom of the leaderboard here to find our host, Tiger Woods, who, uh, to say he's been leaking oil over the course of the last two days, I think would be a compliment. Um, he's five over 76 today. He started on the back, went out in five over, played even on, on his second nine. This was just a really bad week for Tiger. The back nine, not the back nine that he played today, but holes 10 through 18 have just been brutal for him. They've just, I mean, he, I, I mentioned that stretch between 12 and 16. That's so hard. Well, he played those, those four over, uh, and he bogeyed a par five, the 11th. So that stretch has been really difficult for him. And in yesterday's round, he, uh, it, it, it was two over in that stretch. He made a double on 15. So I, he has a really hard time in that stretch. 
Um, and I think that threw him off a little bit yesterday. Holes three through six, he shot, he played three over on those holes. His second nines, generally speaking, uh, have not been very, very good. Basically one birdie on his second nine until before today. And that was at number one. That was his 10th hole. Uh, he made a four there, which everybody makes four there. We talked about that last night. Yeah. Now, fast forward to today, and he goes out on his first nine and shoots that kind of a score, shooting 41. And he's on, I mean, we were literally talking about him being on 80 watch. The question was asked today, is he going to break 80? And he did. So I give him a, I give him a <laughs> lot of credit for that. I mean, he, he, he goes out there. He, yeah, he smokes it. He makes a couple birdies. Birdies one and three. Uh, bogey's coming in. Uh, even par on that side. I mean, it's a frustrating day for him. Really struggling with the putter. Yeah. Uh, let me let me read you some putting stats while yeah. you nailed that. So Please. yesterday he loses 1.8 strokes putting. Today he loses 4.8, which is by far the worst putting round he's ever had in my database. And from what I understand, it is his worst putting round of the shot link era. So you're talking about minus 6.7 putting in two rounds in which he went out on POA early in both of them. So he should add them in pretty good shape. I, I, I want to just say, obviously this is not Tiger. These are outlier um, events and Riviera just has his number and it's his kryptonite and let's forget all about it. But what say you? It, you're right. This is his kryptonite. It's just a golf course that gives him a hard time. I guess the question I want to ask you is when you look at that putting, his putting has been kind of from a strokes gain perspective deteriorating well, basically since it started. He, and, and it's just kind of getting worse and worse gradually over time. Are you worried about Tiger Woods putting going forward or do you think this is just the, the nature of the beast of Riviera that he has yet to find an answer to? I'm, I, I lean more towards the latter. Uh, I, there, there obviously are a lot of tricky situations out there that fooled a lot of golfers. We know that this course yields some of the most, the most three putts inside of, I think, both three and five feet. Um, so it is a very tricky course. It is one that Tiger clearly has not wrapped his head around because he has not had the level of success around here. I think that that is probably the biggest part of it. So I, I, I'm not willing to say, oh, this is much of a concern moving forward. But if we start to, if we start to see this week in, week out, I mean, he has four putted, uh, he four putted at Tory. He four putted this week. It's like the only two times he's done it in the last 15 years or something crazy. Uh, 1998 was the only other season with multiple four putts. So I mean, I know that's one hole, um, in each of those events, but it's, it's weird. It is definitely weird. It is only one hole. I give him a little bit of a, of a pass on it. I think it, I think that it's a golf course that he just doesn't know very well. Tory was a little questionable though. You're right. I mean, bringing Tory into the mix definitely raises some eyebrows, but I got to think when you get Tiger on a, a, a course like, um, you know, I, I'll just say it, Augusta National, I, yeah. I think he's going to be able to figure out the putt in and, and by that time, I think he'll have it ironed out. He, he's kind of changed, not playing next week was a surprising move for me because of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's just really honing in on one tournament again, and I think he'll be ready for it. I I would completely agree. I think he measures his own success in majors and specifically green jackets, and uh, I think that's what he's what he's looking forward to. Uh, he's going to go out with Brendan Todd and JJ Spawn tomorrow, so should be quite the group. Um, all right, Greg, here's what we're going to do. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors, and then we are going to talk about our predictions for next week. So right after these words. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. That was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control of Desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, we're back. Greg, uh, real quick one-and-done update because Kyle Porter has been flying up the leaderboard over the last two days thanks to Adam Scott flying up the leaderboard in the last two days. So he's got himself a share of the 1.1 million points thus far. Uh, we'll see if that holds tomorrow. Producer Jacob getting a lot of uh, late results from Dustin Johnson, who's now currently in sixth. Uh, myself and Mark Immelman, uh, we are fading with Patrick Cantlay, who was looking so great after 18. Uh, our our big boss, Eric Kay with Tony Finau, he is getting basically, it might as well be $0 because it's 21000 And then uh, the Bubba Watson crew, yourself, Greg, and Michael Kaiser on the outside looking in this weekend. But it looks like Kyle's going to make up a lot of ground on us. Kyle's making up a ton of ground and hey, good for him. Uh, it, it was a great, I mean, it's a great pick. Turned out to be a great pick. His reasoning is a little suspect, I guess, but hey, guess who we'll be watching tomorrow. So Whatever that's, works. That's exciting. Um, but yeah, Adam Scott looking great. Um, as for my pick and Michael Kaiser's pick, I'm happy to miss the cut with Bubba Watson. If he was sitting where Adam Scott is sitting right now and I didn't pick him, I would be quite upset. So I can take this one. I'll bite the bullet. I can deal. Okay. Um, as far as predictions go, I want to, I want to do, I want to get two names from you. Basically, uh, since there is a three way tie at 10 under, I want you to pick one of those guys, but then I also want you to give us someone in the chase groups. Obviously much more unlikely that they come up and win, but like who would you think has the best chance of kind of coming out of the, I don't know, handful of shots back? Okay, I think six under is too far back. I'll start with the the chase group. Okay. I think the guys at six under are just a little bit too far back. I, I mean, if you're going to say our prediction, 13 under is a playoff, 14 to win, I, I have a hard time seeing six under holding up if, if they go out and shoot seven under. I, so I'm going to stick above that in the seven to eight number group, and I'm going to actually go up all the way up to Harold Varner. I think Harold mm-hmm. Varner is going to have a great round tomorrow. Comfortable group for him. Uh, he's only one shot back, which I think is a big advantage. And I, I think he really proved a lot to himself today, learning from the PGA Championship last year. So he's the guy in the chase group. Then we go to the top three. And probably the least popular pick of all three of these, Matt Kuchar, that's the guy that I'm going to go with. <laughs> okay. Um 
here's where I'm at. I'm going to go a little deeper. I generally agree. I, I do think six under is too far back, but there is a guy here who would fit everything that I'm looking for, and it's Bryson. So Bryson's gained seven, wow. and, seven and a half strokes tee to green, and he's losing a shot and a half on the greens. He leads the field off the tee, and he has yet to have that, like, really low round. Uh, so he's gone three under, one under, and two under to get to his six under total. I think he's going to need to shoot. Man, I think you're right. I think 64 might get him into a playoff. 60. Maybe. Oh, man, it's so low. He'd have to go so low. Yeah, this is bad, but that's the guy. He'd have to shoot something really, really low and hope to get into a playoff. Um, yeah. You're right. And you're right. You could do, you could see a post like that. You don't know what's going to happen. I just, yeah. I find it unlikely. I think with Rory and Kucher and Scott, if they see somebody charge up there and post 13 under, I, I mean, you got the par five 17th. I just, I feel like they're going to figure out a way to get past whatever's posted. I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then the top of the board, um, I, I'm going to stick with the guy that I think if he puts neutral tomorrow, uh, all other indicators are a really good sign. And I, I, I love Rory, but like Adam Scott looks so good on paper. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's terrifying. Like I love yeah. Rory so much, but I, I, I think Adam's the guy. And you love looking at the paper. Right? I, love I mean, it. yeah, I do. I mean, I do too. I mean, you're right. He's good. And by the way, I've never heard anybody say Adam Scott looks good on paper. Most people say he looks good in person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, this week, I guess it's both. Yeah. He does look good, man. That, uh, he's swinging so good. It, it's great to see. All right, Greg, final thoughts heading into Riviera. You got any for us? Love the golf course. Awesome. I want to see a major championship at this golf course. I mean, it, it really, it does so much. One, it, it kind of, to me, squashes the distance debate. We're seeing ch- great challenge out here on a golf course that's not excessively long. Um, and, and it's just pure golf. I mean, the thing that normally scares PGA tour players is wind and water. That's yeah. usually when you see guys not go low. There's wind and water. This place has neither. And they're still not going that low. So there's, it's there's just There's barely not even any out of bounds around here. Like it, it's, it, it really is a testament to a well designed course that you don't need gimmicks and you don't need distance for that can make the best players in the world, uh, face a challenge. I love it. Yep. It's a pure challenge. I couldn't agree more. So I, right. I love it. All right. That will do it for this episode of the first cut if you've liked what you heard do us a favor leave us a rating and review don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts we're going to be back for another episode after the final round tomorrow to break everything down and uh congratulate adam scott on his victory so (laughs) in the meantime make sure to follow greg ducharme on twitter he is at the real gfd and you can get me on twitter i'm at rick run good and we'll see you next time What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.